God loves us so much. He wants a genuine, close relationship with us. And we've been talking for the last several weeks about the Lord's Prayer and how prayer really is about a relationship with God that changes our lives. We wrapped that up last Sunday. Today we're going to shift gears a little bit, continue with the theme, but with a different series on spiritual disciplines, which are a big part of having a growing, genuine relationship with the Lord that changes our lives and helps us grow and become disciples that, that honor Christ. But before we get to that, and, and while I'm sharing this with you, go ahead and be opening your Bible, please, with me to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 5, the Gospel of Luke, uh, chapter 5. I want to give you an update. Last Sunday I mentioned that our granddaughter had stolen, you know, our four-year-old granddaughter had stolen some silverware at Lizard's Thicket down in Blythewood when we stopped to eat, put them in her mom's, in, in, you know, Melissa's purse. I want to give you an update. We return the silverware to Lizard's Thicket this week. I stopped down there Monday and stopped on the way back, walked in, and this young guy, he didn't know what to think. I asked him, has anybody ever done anything like this before? And he just smiled and said, no. I said, well, you know, Jesus wants us to do the right thing, and even small things matter, so here. And he just laughed and took them back to the kitchen. So I want to let you know, I did keep my word. I returned the silverware to, uh, to Lizard's thicket. Um, yesterday afternoon, sitting at the house, I turned on the television and started watching a little bit of the Little League. Don't y'all love watching that? I do. I'm, I don't know. There's just something about watching those 11, 12-year-old kids play baseball, and, and they're good. I mean, they're good. I was watching part of the, 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 the championship game of the Midwest Regional, Iowa and Minnesota, and Iowa led for most of the game. They were up 5-1, and Minnesota staged a big comeback, ended up winning, I think it was 8-6, and and saw some just really incredible plays. And, you know, with, with Stephen having played baseball growing up, I know those kids, man, they practice. They practice a lot. They go through drills. They develop skills. They put everything they have into it. And the truth is, anyone who becomes good, whether it's in athletics or anything else, does that. You, you, there are just certain things you do. There's practice. There's skill development. Because if you're not willing to do that, if you're not willing to put in the time and the effort, you're not going to become really good at whatever it is you want to be good at. And so they do that. I, I don't know if you know this or not, but the uh, United States Gymnastics uh, Championships, the national championships are taking place right now. The finals are this afternoon. And the first round was uh, Friday night, and Simone Biles, you see there, is leading and will probably win. She may be the greatest female gymnast in history. Um, this afternoon she's going for uh, the national championship, and if she wins, it'll be every year since 2013 she's been national champion in, in women's gymnastics. She's been a world champion four times, and many of you remember that in the 2016 uh, Olympics she won four gold medals and a bronze medal, and, and today she's the world's most decorated female gymnast ever. So, I mean, she is top-notch, and... Friday night in the first round on the balance beam, she did something that no woman has ever done in gymnastic history with the way she dismounted. And I don't know all the lingo, but I, what I do know is that she, she, she flipped over twice and turned around twice. Now, how you flip twice, turn around twice in the air, jumping off that balance beam, I don't know. But she did it. No woman had ever done it before. And then on the floor exercise, she also did something that no woman has ever done, and only a handful of men have tried, and that running and tumbling and all of that, she did two flips and three twists. Now, how do you, how do, you do that? I mean, how, how, how do you, two flips and three twists, 
in there. I don't get it. She is, I mean, she's off the charts. She is so talented. But after she completed that, uh, that, that thing that had not been done on the floor exercise, she didn't stick her landing real clean. She had to catch herself with both hands down on the mat. Now, she still scored good points. But because she had to balance herself and didn't have a clean landing, she was really frustrated. And following the, uh, the match that night, listen to what she said. I want, I want to quote, give you the exact quote, okay? She said, I'm still really upset about the floor, the floor exercise. I did, I did end on a good note, the balance beam, so that makes me happy, but I'm still disappointed about the floor. Now, she did something no other woman in history has done, but she didn't do it perfectly, so she's upset with herself. And then she went on to say, I still get really frustrated because I know how, listen to this, I know how good I am and how well I can do. Part of what makes her great is she's not willing to settle for mediocrity. She's not even willing to settle for what is better than others if it's not her best. Because she's not in the business of comparing herself to others. She's in the business of comparing herself to herself. And what is she capable of? And so I ask you, I ask myself, what kind of follower of Jesus do you want to be? One who looks around at mediocrity and says, because I'm equal to mediocrity, I'm okay? You want to be just a little bit better than average? Or do you want it to be the best disciple of Jesus Christ that you can possibly be? That's really the question that each and every one of us has to answer within our own hearts and souls if we are going to achieve, listen, if we're going to become the kind of disciple that Jesus Christ saved us to become. So what kind of follower of Jesus do we want to be? I think the psalmist Summed it up really well in Psalm 42, verses 1 and 2. Look at these verses on the screen, and we'll come to Luke in just a moment. But notice what he said. He said, as the deer pants or longs for the water brooks. That's what my soul does for you, God. Just like a thirsty animal just, just is, is wanting water to quench its thirst, God, that's what I want. I, I, want, I have that kind of thirst for you, Lord. I want to, I, I'm drawn to you, God. I have this, this hunger, this thirst in my heart, in my soul, my life when it comes to my relationship with you. He says, my soul thirsts for God, for the living God. I think that if we love the Lord, if we love Jesus Christ, that's really what we're after. That's, that's what we want. And, and, and if we don't want that, what are we doing? Are we just going through motions? Are we just playing games? But if we really want to be a follower of Christ, a disciple of Jesus Christ, is that not what somewhere in our hearts we want? Maybe, maybe it's gotten a little bit hidden over the years because of the way life is, but it's that, is that what we want? I think it is. I think it's what, it's what we need and it's what we want. It's a relationship with the Lord that's real and it's authentic and it's life-changing. It's growing. It's intimate. It honors Him. It's obedient to Him. It's, it, it changes who we are. Now, here's the thing. If that's what we want, to become that, there are some things we have to do because it doesn't happen automatically. Simone Biles is not the athlete she is, the gymnast she is, without dedicating herself to certain disciplines, certain practices, certain activities to train herself, to prepare herself. Spiritually, in a relationship with Christ, there are just things we need to do if we're going to 
to grow. We, we call them in, in, in the church world, in theology and all that, we, we call them spiritual disciplines. They are practices. They are activities, things we do, and we need to do them consistently, and we need to learn to do them better as the years pass because they are practices. They are, they're, they're, they're not so much attitudes as they are things that we do that, that shape how we think, that shape how we live, that shape our decisions, that change our life. And so for the next few Sundays, I want to talk about some of them. Today, I want to talk about two, solitude and meditation. Now, I can already hear some of you saying, what? No way. Solitude? Preacher, do you know my life? Young moms, <laughs> I got kids. Are you crazy? Some of you are thinking, man, I've worked 60 hours a week and on and on. And no what? Solitude? There's, there's never a moment of quiet in my world. And I don't know where in the, on the calendar and the schedules I'm, I'm, I'm going to find time for solitude and meditation. Preacher, are you nuts? That's what some of those nuts out west do. I'm not doing that. That's, that's something that's associated with some of the Eastern religions. I, you know, I, I'm not doing that. Here's, here's what I want you to understand. Biblical solitude and biblical meditation, these spiritual disciplines that are a part of our relationship with Christ are practiced differently than the rest of the world practices them. And properly understood and properly practiced, they change us. So let's talk about them, and not just to learn, okay? If all that happens is you leave here and you know more about biblical solitude, more about biblical meditation, big deal. Hasn't helped you. The goal is not for you to know more about them. The goal is for you to practice them so that you can be a growing disciple. Remember, one of our purposes is to love God, love people, and make disciples. Well, these practices, these spiritual disciplines will help you love God better, love people better, and make disciples because it changes your relationship with Christ. So I want to begin by talking about solitude. There's a lot of examples in Scripture of Jesus practicing solitude. Now, I ask you to turn in your Bible to Luke chapter 5. Because our memory verse for this month, remember each month a different memory verse about Jesus, the one for this month comes from Luke chapter 5, verse 16. All right? You should have already memorized it because I, I remember I told you last Sunday it's the shortest one we'll have all year. So it's the easiest, okay? But we'll give you another week. So there it is on the screen. You have your Bibles, Matthew, uh, Luke 5, 16. But Jesus himself would what? Often. Notice that. Jesus would often slip away to the wilderness and pray. Jesus would get away from the disciples. He would get away from the crowds. He would get away from his ministry, from the teaching and preaching and the healing. He would get away from all of the activity, slip away, and he would do it often. He was regularly doing this to the wilderness, to an isolated place, and he was praying. And there's many verses in the Gospels that describe Jesus doing this. If you have your Bibles and you're in Luke, the very next chapter, chapter 6 is another example. In chapter 6, verse 12, it says, It was at this time that he, Jesus, went off to the mountain to pray, and he spent the whole night in prayer to God. Now, those are just two passages. 
from several that I could choose that describe Jesus' practice of getting away from the crowd and the hustle and bustle and all the routine of life and just being alone with the Father. At its heart, that's what solitude is. It's away, it's quiet, it's alone, and it's with God. Because remember, we've spent the last month learning that prayer is ultimately about a relationship with God becoming more Christ-like and fulfilling His will and purpose in our life. Now, Friday night, Monisa and I went up to Pineville, and uh, after we ran some errands, we stopped at the, the German restaurant, which I like to go to. And for those of you who think it's just sausage and kraut, they, she likes their salmon. It's the best she's ever had, she says. They have good ribeye steak. They have other stuff, so if you don't want, okay, that's a plug, I guess. It, that's all right. But we stopped there to eat. I like to go there. And, and it was kind of crowded on Friday night. And we were sitting at this table, just the two of us. And over here they had put some tables together. And there, there was this family celebrating a grandfather's birthday. And they had several real young children. And it was loud. I mean, every now and then the parents would try to get the kids to quiet down. They weren't successful. It was loud. They separated them, put them in their laps. That only worked for a moment. It was loud. And Monisa and I would have to lean and get our heads right together to barely, barely hear what the other one would say. Anybody ever been in a situation like that? I mean, most restaurants today are loud anyway, right? It's just the ambience, the way they build them. I mean, you hear what's on the other end of the restaurant. They're all loud. I wanted to take aspirin when it was over with. But they, they, had pretty, they, they were close to finishing their meal when we sat down. So before we finished... They left, thank God. And it was amazing how much quieter it became. And we were able to talk to each other without getting face, you know, cheek to cheek. See, one of the reasons we struggle to hear the voice of God, to hear the Word of God, to have communication and intimacy with the Father is, is we never make the decision to put ourselves in a place where it's quiet. We stay in the crowd. We stay in the noise. We stay in the busyness. And then we throw our hands up and say, Preacher, I've got no choice. That's just how life is. Well, Jesus' life was busier than mine and yours. I mean, there was not a day during his ministry when crowds were not hunting him down to ask him to do something for them. And yet, the Gospels tell us that Jesus would often find a way to get away from the crowd away from the noise, be alone with the Father. He'd do it often, right? Isn't that what the text said? He would often in our memory verse. See, life doesn't make it easy. Satan doesn't want you to do it, so he keeps us busy, surrounded by people and noise. And, and let's be honest, some of us are afraid to be alone. 
Because when we're alone, we have to think about things that we don't want to think about. When we're alone, sometimes it makes us have to face things we don't want to face and deal with. And so to keep ourselves from you know, distracted so we don't deal with those issues, we stay busy. We stay in crowds. We, we t- How many of you have ever sat down and just turned the TV on for noise? We talk about the younger generations, millennials being addicted to these. A lot of you are addicted to Facebook. And it becomes a distraction. And so we tell ourselves we can't make the time. Mm, Yes, we can. What did Jesus do? Let me give you two examples. Look on the screen at these passages from Matthew 14. When he heard about John, that's John the Baptist who had been executed. It says that Jesus withdrew from there in a boat. So he got in a boat and went out into the middle of the lake, then had it land at a, at a place where nobody was, at a secluded place. Who was he with? Himself. So he got in a boat to travel to a place to get away from everybody, from the noise. Later, in verse 23, this is just before he appoints, chooses from all of his followers, the 12 disciples, say, and, and said, you are the 12, you're the official 12. He sent the crowds away. Sometimes you just have to say to people, not now, not now. Sent the crowds away, went up on the mountain. When it was evening, who was with him? Just the Father. He was there alone, just him and the Father. See, Jesus took control of his circumstances, did not allow the circumstances to control every moment of his existence. Now, was Jesus overwhelmed by the crowds at times? Yeah, they they, they pressed on him. But there were those moments when Jesus said, I'm taking control, and he sent the crowds away and said no more, and he was alone. Did what he had to do to make it happen. And you and I need to do the same thing. Take control. Create time to be with the Father. With silence. Because without silence, there's little listening to God. Solitude. Now, solitude goes hand in hand with meditation. And I know sometimes when we hear the word meditation, we think about Eastern religions and the way some, you know, people who don't believe in God practice meditation and and, and we just kind of push away and don't want to hear that word. But biblical meditation is different than what they do. It goes hand in hand with solitude, okay? See, and many of the Eastern religions and the thoughts that you often hear about on television and so on, when, when they talk about meditation, they're trying to empty their mind of everything. In biblical Christian meditation, we are trying to fill our mind with the Word of God, the voice of God. Not empty it, fill it. 
not with the noise of the world and the culture and all the distractions. Empty ourselves of that. Fill our minds with God's truth, with God's Word. That's biblical meditation. Much of what we see in this world says you meditate because you're trying to get in touch with your inner you, your inner self. And biblical meditation, no, that's nonsense. You're trying to get in touch with God. You're trying to get in touch with your Heavenly Father. In the world's approach, you're trying to lose the sense of personhood sometimes and, and just sort of merge yourself with the cosmic mind, whatever that is. But in biblical meditation, you are trying to hear God speak His truth into your life as an individual so you know what you are to do in the real world. You're not being absorbed and ceasing to be. You're trying to be. You're trying to be the individual that Jesus is calling you to be. In the world's approach, it's all about you and self and improving self. But in biblical meditation, it's all about God and what He's wanting to do in your life. Two very different approaches. I love the passage in Exodus talking about Moses. This is not true of me, but wow, think about Moses. It says that the Lord used to speak to Moses how? Face to face. You remember those times Moses would come from the mountain after conversing with God and, 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 and his appearance would be white because it was the glory of God was just all over him and people would step back and tremble in fear? And so God would speak to Moses face to face. I love that, that, that next line, just as a man speaks to his friend. You talk about an intimate relationship. Well, I've not had a burning bush in my life. Have you? I've not come from a mountaintop experience with God and somebody looked at me and said, man, you're glowing, your face is white. You're, the glory of God has been different for me. Probably it's been different for you, right? But that doesn't mean we can't have an intimate, close relationship and communication with the Father. And solitude and meditation are a big part of that. Look in the Old Testament at the book of Psalms, okay? The very first chapter, Psalm 1. Psalm 1. Let's read the first two verses. How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. But, what's the difference? Verse 2. His delight, his joy, is in what? The law of the Lord, the Word of God. And in his law, he does what? What's the word? What's the word? What's the word? What's the word? Don't be afraid to say it. What's the word? In his law, in God's word, he meditates how often? Day and night. It's a regular part of his life. Turn over to Psalm 63. One more passage I want you to look at. Psalm 63. I'll get there eventually. There we go. 
Psalm 63, verses 6 and following. The psalmist says, When I remember you on my bed, Lord, I'm, I'm in bed and I'm thinking about you. I meditate on you in the night watches. For you have been my help. And notice the closeness here. In the shadow of your wings, I what? I sing for joy because, Lord, the more I'm in your presence, the happier I am. My soul clings to you. Your right hand upholds me. We can have a close relationship with God. Now, maybe we're not Moses, but that's okay. We have a relationship with Jesus Christ, and it can be close. It can be intimate. It can be life-changing. It can be transformative. And finding solitude and silence, time and place to be alone with him so we can meditate on him, meditate on his word and on his truth, part of it. So what does all this mean? It means I get away so I can be alone with God and his word to hear him through his word by the Holy Spirit speak into my life so that I can grow, I can change, I can obey him, I can know his will, receive direction for living, I can be encouraged, I can be strengthened, I can be convicted and brought to a place of repentance so that my relationship with him honors him is all that it was supposed to be as a disciple, as a follower of Jesus Christ. Let me help you understand that a little bit. Our staff, our pastors, we go to we go to breakfast together at a local restaurant somewhere once every month at least. And um, we just meet and eat. And most of us drink coffee. Now, Jamie Burdett, who tried to do that pose, and I'm not going to try it. Jamie Burdett, whenever we go to breakfast, does not drink coffee. He drinks hot tea. Jamie loves hot tea. And I like it okay, but I like coffee better. If I do tea, I want it that evening. He likes it in the morning. I don't understand that. I need my coffee in the morning. But any of you drink hot tea? Okay. Well, you get that hot, that cup of hot water and that tea bag, and you put it in the water, you steep it, now, what happens if you take that tea bag and you just kind of stick it down in the water once and lift it right out? What happens? Not much. You start to get a little bit of ugly-looking water. You just dip it two or three times and take it out. What happens? Eh, a little more, but not much. You take a sip and you want to spit it out because it's just bad-tasting water. It's weak tea, right? You have to leave that tea bag in the water. For a while. And then all of a sudden, the tea changes the water. But it takes time. Your heart, your mind, your life is the cup of water. And for it to be changed, you have to allow the Word of God to steep in you for a while. 
It's not quick. It's not complicated. It's real easy. You just have to let the Word of God seep into you, soak into you, get into you over and over and over. Let it, let it stay there. And that's what meditation and solitude are about. It's getting along with God so that I can be immersed in Him so that His truth, His Word, His presence just steeps in me and changes me like a tea bag over time changes water. Now, I know the challenge for us is our schedules and lifestyles and demands. I get that. And I understand that it's more challenging in certain seasons than others. I get that. But moms can't wait until their kids are grown to do this. Dads can't wait until you've made your fortune to do this. Working men and women can't wait until things slow down at work to do this because they probably never will slow down at work. You need to take your calendar and use it and make it your friend. You need to take your house and create a place that's a place where you meet God. On Saturday mornings for me, it's the kitchen counter in our house while Monisa sleeps late. At other times, it's a table on our deck out back or by the pool for me personally. Sometimes you have to go somewhere like Jesus got in the boat and went somewhere. One of my places I like to go around here sometimes is downtown to Glencairn Garden. And sometimes Monisa and I have to talk about what we're doing so the other one knows not to interrupt. So it's a matter of do you want it? Do you want some tea? Do you want the Word of God to steep in you? Then stop making excuses, have some conversations, sit down, be creative, make a plan, and do something because spiritual disciplines are what we do, not what we think. And like we said when we were talking about the Lord's Prayer, we do what we want to do. Not always easy, but we do it. Because it's about having an encounter with the Lord. It's about a relationship with Him. Now, you, you, this summer you've learned if I hold this up, I'm talking about D groups, right? Discipleship groups. Because we read one chapter of Scripture, just one. Do that five times a week. Okay, so five chapters a week. And try to get alone and hear God and talk to God about what He says and then just do a brief journal entry about it. I had just an amazing experience with God back in June. It was day 90 of my D group experience. And we were reading through First and Second Corinthians at that time, and that day I was to read Second Corinthians 12, and I remember it vividly. It was in June, and I was sitting on the deck out back that morning. Early that morning, just scripture and my journal and the Lord in me listening to the birds. And um, I started reading in chapter, chapter 12, and I only got through a few verses, and I, I was sitting in that chair at the table and just spontaneously, just automatically, without thinking, I just kind of pushed back in my chair at one point, 
threw my hands up in the air, started to cry and just praised Jesus, just, just loved on Jesus. It was just one of those amazing moments. It doesn't happen every day, but that day it, it did. It was, it was special. And you can see in my journal, if you can read that at the top, when after I had all that experience and prayed, I wrote, wow, amen, glory, and I ended the entry with, I rejoice. I mean, it was just a moving time with God. Now, why? Two things. Okay? Some of you prayed for me because at that point, some of you know that my PSA was up and I was facing a biopsy. Didn't know yet. Of course, thank you for praying because it turned out I had no cancer. But at that time, I didn't know what was going to happen, and I did my absolute best not to think about it, not to worry about it, not to let my mind go there. But in the back of your mind, it's always there, right? It doesn't matter how spiritual you are in your back of your mind. It's kind of there. And so it was. And I wasn't thinking about it that morning, but it was there. And then I come to Corinthians, and this is just how God works when you make time for him, okay? In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, and I'd read this before, but boy, it stood out to me in some special ways that morning. Paul talks in verse 2 about himself. He said, I know a man in Christ, referring to himself, who 14 years ago, he said, I don't know if it happened bodily or if it was just a vision, a trance, but I was caught up to the third heaven. Paul talks about being caught up to heaven and seeing heaven. In verse 4 he said, I was was, was caught up into paradise, and notice this, heard inexpressible words which a man is not permitted to speak. And I started thinking about that what Paul saw in heaven and what Paul heard in heaven was so incredible that God said, Paul, you can't tell anybody about it. Those words cannot be spoken. Why? Because human beings in our current form couldn't understand them if he said them. And later in verse 7, he said to keep me humble, not get too carried away. That's when God gave me the thorn in the side, the thorn in the flesh. And it was Paul who also wrote that eye is not seen, ear is not heard, tongue is not expressed, your heart has not imagined all the things God has prepared for those who love him. And I guess all of a sudden with all that in the back of my mind, not necessarily being conscious of it, but it was there, and thinking, wow, heaven, heaven is something that God says can't even be put into human words. So I just threw back my chairs, raised my hands, and had a Jesus moment. See, that blessed me. That blessed me. But if I hadn't taken the time to get away and get alone with the Word so I could hear God, I would have missed that. How much are you missing? How much are you missing? God wants a close relationship with you. God wants to change you use you, bless you. So don't just think about it. Do it. Practice the discipline. 
Talk to your spouse and kids. Create a place. Make an appointment with God on your calendar. Give up Facebook. Watch less television. Get up 30 minutes early or 15 minutes early. Get in your car and go to a place if you're like me and you like to be outside when you do your time with God. It varies. How we do it varies at different stages of life. It varies based on personalities. But we all need the same thing. So figure it out. Get creative and do it. It'll change your life. It'll change your walk with Jesus. So let's stand and sing and team comes to lead us the altar is open maybe it begins for you by kneeling here this morning and saying oh lord i'm going to find my secluded place i'm going to find my 15 minutes my 30 minutes every day of solitude i'm going to find that one hour on the weekend when i'm with you I'm, i'm going to put on my calendar that quarterly time when i get away for a half a day god just to take a look at my life in your presence Whatever it is for you, today could be the moment that begins changing your the trajectory of your life with God. Jamie's here. I'm here. You can come and say to one of us, this is the church where I want to not just be a member, but where I want to serve and I want to grow and, and, and I want to make a difference in this community, in this world as a part of this family of faith. So come and say, I want to join First Baptist. Some of you have accepted Christ, but you've not been baptized yet, and you need to come and ask for baptism, and we'll schedule that. And some of you, this you know, this talking about having a close relationship with Christ, you don't have a relationship with Christ. And the beginning point for you is not a retreat or a daily quiet time. The beginning point for you is right now to come and say to one of us, I'm giving my life to Jesus because right now I don't have a relationship with Christ and I want that to change. I want a relationship. I want to know Him. I want to know Him. So let's sing together and you come from wherever you are right now.